0: as Greg mentioned last week that we uh, commissioned our Mexico missions team, and uh, early on Friday morning we saw them off, and it wasn't early morning on Friday. I have to remind my kids, hey, I'm doing this because I love you. It was like five o'clock when my alarm went off, and for those who know me, I am not a morning person. And so uh, that means... They'll be away for a week, and they'll be coming back next Monday, and so your prayers will be very much appreciated as they travel, and as they cross borders, and then as they share their energies, lives, resources with others who are in deep need. And so that means that for us, we'll be having a very short pause in our Revelation series, and maybe it'll give you a chance to take a breather and catch your breath as uh, we've been uh, turn, uh, just... Tunneling through this this book, of, uh, and for some it's been great mystery, for some it's been opening a lot of light for people. If you have any questions that you have, uh, please don't hesitate to come to us as staff to ask and engage regarding everything that Matt's sharing. Again, we would invite you to go into the book of Revelation and read for yourself what is in there. Don't take just everything you're hearing on the internet or uh, uh, just on the radio for granted and... and measure it and uh, test it with what we're reading and what you're learning here up on stage. So anyways, how are you enjoying this series so far? Yeah? Wonderful. There you go, Matt. People are enjoying that, at least a hundred of us. We're looking forward to having conversations with you. In the Christian calendar next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and uh, Pastor Kendall's going to be bringing the word for us, so you can pray for her as she prepares to share, and as we as Christians prepare our hearts and our minds for what we would consider uh, historically to be known as Holy Week. And so uh, Palm Sunday is when we remember who Jesus is as he enters the city of Jerusalem and that he's making his way, really, to the cross to die on our behalf, and then Three days uh, after Good Friday, when he, we celebrate or remember that he gave himself up, we remember on Easter Sunday the power that he had to conquer death and to free us from all slavery of death and sin, and that is going to be a wonderful chance for us to celebrate. So in the meantime, would you please pray for Pastor Kendall, and we look forward to hearing from her. And so again, today we're wrapping up Missions Month, and so let's just take a moment to quickly review our missionaries, folk, whom we all support in prayer and in finances. There's Jonah and Rochella Sinclair and YWAM Kona and Maria and Lauren Friesen. They're here with us locally in Youth Unlimited Calgary. There's Brittany Coleman in YWAM Australia, Papua New Guinea and Jamie Scottney with Multiply Alberta. She is currently with our Mexico team in Mexico. Dave and Luis Claire Peters, you heard from them uh, this morning, and Greg we just had uh, with Partners Relief and Development, and Macy, who is with YOM Kona, and please pray for her as she discerns what is in the future for her. She's come back now, uh, and is, she's going to, for the next three months, pray and wonder, uh, Lord, where do you want me to direct my energy and resources? So we support these wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ as they minister across the globe and locally with us. Um, helping disciple all peoples, all nations, as Jesus commanded. What they're doing, though, really, is just sharing what they love with the people around them. Now, years ago, Charlene and I my my wife, Charlene. uh, We worked in Japan with our denominations missions agency, now known as Multiply. And the mission has been in Japan since the end of World War II. So it's been there for over 70 years. And after many decades of sharing Jesus, Uh, that denomination has grown that group of family of churches that are related to this church has grown to about 29 churches across the country it's a very difficult place to share the gospel charlene and i worked as english teachers in those churches Uh, in fact we were focused around seven osaka area churches and uh, after leading a number of our students to jesus and connecting them to the churches that we were working in, uh, one of the pastors of one of those seven churches came up to me and said, Oh, Pastor David. And they, they said it uh, uh, with a very strong accent, but they were really trying hard to communicate well with us in English. They knew far more English than we did Japanese. In fact, uh, Charlene was very good at picking up the language because she was not afraid to actually make mistakes, whereas I, with my perfectionist mask, would sometimes really stumble over the language and uh so i would be quiet but when i did speak why well, i spoke well which meant maybe i didn't speak as much as charlene one of the pastors pastor sugi came up and he said sensei d'abito, teacher or pastor david sensei dabito you are a good salesman for jesus and I kind of cringed and <laughs> I went, okay, I think I know what you're trying to say with your limited English, but it just made me feel greasy. You know what I mean? It was, I just went, okay, I think I understand just because of what that kind of connotated. And what he was just trying to say is you share Jesus well with others. And what Charlene and I were really trying to do is we were just trying to share what we love with others. And that's really what we're focusing on today. We shared life, we shared our perspectives, our time, and really we shared ourselves, our our personhood, our time, our resources, um, our stories. And this allowed us to share Jesus naturally with them. There was no programs, there was no curriculum when we went and connected with people one-on-one. It was just the sharing of our lives with others, friends. And friends, really, that's what our missionaries overseas and locally are doing as well. They're building opportunities to meet the needs of those in order to build a relationship so that there is facility, there's occasion, there's opportunity to share what is really important to us with others. Sharing what you love with others is really what outreach is about. Friends, missions isn't only for those people that you saw on the screen or for those kids who have just gone over across two borders into Mexico missions isn't something that's out there. Jesus actually commands all of his followers to partner with him in outreach, in mission. And that includes you, and that includes me. And we're not let off the hook. So if you have your Bibles with you, and if you'd like to turn to a passage that we're going to read about this morning, you can also follow up on the screen. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Thanks be to God. This famous passage is known as the Great Commission. It's the last major commandment which the gospel writer, Matthew, remembers as Jesus saying, Hey, followers, if you are indeed following me, this is what I want you to do. That was his last command to the disciples, those who followed Jesus. The Great Commission is something that we need to remember. It's something that we do Uh, but we don't need to be doing it in isolation. We don't do mission alone. We're never alone. In fact, the Great Commission is a partnership. It is the great co-mission, and that's what I'll call it, uh, partnering with God and what he's already doing in us, through us, around us. It's not all on our own shoulders. We don't have to bear that responsibility. This begs the question, what is evangelism? Well, let's begin with what evangelism is not. Evangelism is not sharing the Bible in a weaponized manner. Evangelism is not using the Bible to win an argument. Evangelism is not impersonal. It's not offensive. It's not coercive. It's not forced. Those kinds of uses are more akin to assault, spiritual abuse. Right before heading out to Japan with Multiply, Charlene and I were sent to Philadelphia for a few weeks of training and orientation with a a sister organization and a sister denomination. And we enjoyed some time uh, learning uh, with fellow missionaries going all over the globe. And so one of our cross-cultural excursions, uh, because we were from Canada, there was a heavy Asian presence, they wanted us to learn tools, basic tools, to engage with other um, uh, nationalities and ethnicities. And so we got sent to Philadelphia, where it was a very big melting pot, but the really heavy presence was the black community, African-American community, and also the Hispanic community, so a number of people from the Latino countries. Uh, were there. And so it was a very different kind of cultural exchange for us uh, as we prepared to go into Asia. Well, we were on the subway heading uh, across town in uh, the underbelly of Philadelphia, when suddenly we heard some yelling from the far end of the train, and uh, we couldn't understand what this person was yelling. It sounded very angry, almost as if he was in an argument. Okay, and he was arguing with other people. And as he came closer to us and closer to us, we could actually discern what he was saying. And we, could, we thought he was swearing because he was using the word of Jesus Christ a lot. And we're just going, oh my goodness, this guy's taking the Lord's name in vain. And as he got closer, we heard him just preaching a sermon of hellfire and brimstone. And I just went, wow, he is taking the Lord's name in vain. Friends, I'm not sure that um, I'm saying street evangelism. There's no space for that. In fact, uh, people do come to Christ by using those words and those manners. I don't want to refute that completely, but at the same time, as a believer myself, I was shaking. I was embarrassed. I was feeling almost humiliated. Boy, this is a person trying to represent my faith which I think is supposed to be compelling, persuasive, encouraging, filled with hope, filled with love. And he was just yelling, spitting hellfire and judgment. And I was going, oh my goodness. And he's doing this in the name of Jesus, the same Lord that I serve. So he's causing quite a stir. And uh, I'm not saying that street evangelism doesn't have a place. What I'm saying is our message of hope, is supposed to be exactly that. One that encourages, one that brings hope to the hopeless, one that brings people to, closer to the Lord, not away from them. Now, there are points in time where uh, the gospel has to be confrontational. I think those are moments when truth is being, being spoken to power. And that is when uh, the words need to be measured and thoughtful and directed. But that's altogether something different that we're not going to talk about this morning. Let's remember who Jesus, our Lord, the risen Lord is. And Matt had said this a few weeks back. Uh, he is indeed the line of Judah. He has the power to make things happen, to make people bow before, before him and cower in fear. And yet he does not use that way to come before people. He chooses to show his power in the form of a sacrificial lamb. And as followers of Jesus, I am challenged, I think we are challenged, to do the same. We are called to a Lord who has set down his power, although he has it, and yet he shows his power through defeating the powers of death, sin, and destruction. To bring new life, to bring healing and encouragement. Amen? Amen. So what is the word evangelism, and what does it actually mean? Well, the root word is evangel, and from the Greek, it's euangelion. It is translated into the English as good news. So evangelism is actually good-newsing to others or with others. And for Christ followers, evangelism is then sharing the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that's compelling in a way that's encouraging, in a way that gives hope. In the ancient world, when a king's herald proclaimed that taxes were going down, that was good news. That was euangelion. When there was a holiday proclaimed and there was a big feast that the government or the kingdom would sponsor, that was good news. That was euangelion. And so Christians were able to use that same word and say, Jesus has euangelion for us, for all who come to follow him. We have good news, friends. It is life in the midst of death. It is rebirth in the midst of destruction. And that is why our brothers and sisters uh, with organizations like Mennonite Central Committee or Partners Relief and Development uh, go to those hotspots. They are there as agents and heralds of evangelion, Jesus' good news of hope and life and uh, a future. So it was intended, this euangelion, this good news was intended to give people pause to celebrate and to have a collective sigh of relief, not to roll their eyes, not to cower, not to run away in fear. As Christ followers, friends, we are called to share good news that gives people pause to celebrate, to give them a sigh of relief, something that gives them hope and gives them freedom, not to roll their eyes in exasperation and go, what? A weirdo. The good news of Jesus Christ is indeed good news. Amen. Amen. This great commission that Jesus gives us, all of his followers, you and me, this co mission alludes to cooperating with him, but with others as well as we pursue mission together. Not just with followers of Jesus, just remember that, but with God himself. Remember, we're not alone in this task. Jesus' last commandment to his followers is to go. Go literally in the Greek is this. It's translated as in your going, which means wherever you are, in your home, In your workplace, when you are grocery shopping, when you're at a flames game in the saddle dome, when you're with your kids at their sports events or on vacation. It's in your going. We're called to go. Jesus is saying that mission is not somewhere else, and it's not something that someone else is doing. We are called to go. Missions is wherever we are. Wherever we are going, we're on mission. We're presenting the gospel through who we are, and it is in the us going that we're going with intentionality. It's a check for me, especially when I'm on Deerfoot Trail. I think I've mentioned this to you. And in my going to the airport, it's a long road, and as you well know, Deerfoot Trail can be like driving the Indy 500. And sometimes some people drive like they are professional drivers, and I am not. Uh, And so oftentimes when they just move right in front of you uh, with maybe a a, a hair's breadth of distance between vehicles, I just like back off, right? And so I say, bless you. Sometimes I don't say that, (laughs) but I oftentimes say something that I have to say, Lord, would you forgive me for blessing that person? Friends, in our going, how are we being portrayed? We are representatives of that life, that kingship that lives within us. In our going, what are we presenting? What are we communicating? And as we go, we are called to make disciples. Friends, I know when we're in our cars, we're not making disciples, but we're definitely um, portraying someone. And what really kills me is sometimes, you know how you have those Jesus fish? on your cars that can say, Hey, I'm a Christian. I've got a Jesus fish. Um, or on a sticker that is on your bumper that says honk, if you love Jesus. And then it's those people who kind of like drive me crazy. I'm going, okay, this is the witness that we have. When you have one of those on your cars, you're saying Christians can drive without the care in the world with the people for the people around them. Is that loving your neighbor? And then me checking myself saying, bless you, <laughs> as I respond to the drug. I'm just going, oh man. Let's check ourselves, friends, as we share the gospel, as we remember whose we are, as we remember who we are, even as we drive on Deerfoot Trail. Oftentimes now I'm taking Stony, so that's my caveat. That doesn't let us off the hook, does it? We are participating in missions is what I'm trying to say. And I think what Matthew is trying to say, what Jesus is trying to say through Matthew is in your going, no matter where you are, you're representing me. So it means we're on mission, but not by ourselves. We are with one another. We're together in this. West, fellow Jesus lovers and followers, believers, we're not in this alone. Amen? And I think that, that's the exciting thing. We don't have to do this alone. That's why we're together this morning. Hey, it's to get a little recharge. Remind ourselves, hey, we are on this road together. In God's co-mission, Jesus is calling us to make, help make followers of Jesus Christ, not just believers of Jesus. One thing for people to believe in who Jesus is, but it's another thing for them to actually begin following Jesus, right? And so I think that is where that intentionality, and this is where the challenge is for us, okay? Not only are we intended to portray Jesus well in our lives, especially on our drive to work or wherever we're going, but actually in our day-to-day living, in our relationships with whom we bump our elbows with in the office, or more importantly, our neighbors, or even more importantly, with those within our own home. Who are the easiest people that we can lose our temper with? It's the folk in our own family. So who are we actually presenting the hope of the world to, even in our own family? Friends, parents, we have a responsibility to communicate the love of Jesus, and this is three fingers pointing back at me to our own kids and how we treat them, how we talk to them, how we love them. Are we presenting a subway preacher with hellfire and brimstone? Are we presenting the sacrificial lamb that comes in peace, with love and gentleness? Who gives hope? Friends, our first congregation is our kids, or our spouse. I think that's what Jesus is meaning when he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, not just the person across the street from us. Love your spouse the way you love yourself. Love your kids. Oh, man, it can be so hard, especially when they're teenagers. Oh, my goodness. James, have you... Sorry, James. I'll stop myself right there. (laughs) I love you, James. I'm praying for you, my son. I'm so proud of you. Sorry, guys. I had to catch myself right there. Most of us are not called into international cross-cultural ministry like a number of our friends are. Some of us will be. But all of us are called into, increasingly so, international cross-cultural ministry that's local. Friends, the world is coming here to Calgary. Calgary. We are the fastest-growing city in Canada right now. In fact, one of the oddest uh, facts I just heard was 50,000, I think, Ontarians are coming here. So if you're from Ontario, we love you. We don't think you're weird, even though you are. Um, Don't ask me to cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Friends, what is our mission here at SunWest Church? This is not a rhetorical question, and Greg said it so you're Greg, wherever you are, you don't have to say it. The rest of us, what is our mission here? I'll help you out. Let's say it together. One, two, three. We exist to guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we, as Sun West, exist. And so by coming here each Sunday morning, proclaiming this, you're saying, This is why I'm here. I exist. To help guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Friends, we are on mission. This mission statement is based out of the great co mission. This is our raison d'etre, this is the reason why we exist, our purpose for living. This is the go that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 28 19. In our going out, in our living, in our working, in our playing, So let's very briefly talk about the how we do that in our going. Here at Sunwest, uh, we value outreach. We value sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And we share what we love. So I want us to all say that together. We share what we love. One, two, three. We share what we love. For some of us, it's in inviting people to church or church activities. For some of us, it's sharing personal stories over a cup of coffee or whatever. Still for others, it's being involved in helping others. Okay, that's our natural predisposition. That's our natural way of being with people. We love to help others. And the common thread here is that sharing the love of Jesus is really about sharing what we love with others. Every single Christ follower has God-given gifts and abilities that fall into one or two ways of, I'm going to list about six approaches to outreach. They are really just an extension of who we are, how we're made, how our personalities are wired. And it's combined with our spiritual gifting. The six styles are this. There's direct, there's intellectual, there's testimonial, invitational, there's service, and relational. We're not going to go deep into this, this is like a weeks-long textbook, if you want. I know you don't. And so I'll only speak for another four hours. I mean, short time. We may have a style that comes uh, naturally to us, but you know, we may actually employ any one of these at any given time, depending on the circumstance. A church community will have all six of these represented within its community, and this means, SunWest, that God has given us all that we need to do that he has called us to do. The faith community using their gifts uh, and working together will accomplish all that God has set out for us. And we can become very effective at sharing the message of Christ where we live, where we work, and where we play. But let me just very briefly go over some of these. Which one, I'm going to ask you to think about this as we listen, which one best fits you? There is the direct approach. Right? This approach is what we see in Acts chapter 2, where Peter addresses the crowd on Pentecost. He talks, and he gives a message, and people are listening to him, and he boldly proclaims the gospel to those who are present. It is a very direct manner. Uh, done well, those who have this gift get straight to the point in a way that's compelling and invitational. It invites conversation. It does not close it down. They preach Christ, and they seek it as a response. The issue isn't forced, but the person with this approach directs the conversation to a discussion on faith. It invites further conversation, that's the point. Further exploration on the part of the people who are listening. Not the subway preacher who actually causes people to move aside as he moves forward. In becoming a Christ follower who shares what we love, the direct approach is described as redirecting conversations to Christ. Now you have to think about how you can do that in a way that is not treating the other person like an object or like a checkbox, because that's not what relationships are, or otherwise you're just using that person, right? You're actually just sharing what you love with another person, if they're willing to hear it. You don't cram it. No, you're going to sit (laughs) down. Just cram it down your throat. Oh my goodness. So what I'm trying to say is our posture is actually key. The way in which we carry this wonderful news and share it with others, it's in our posture that it's key. Are we actually communicating something with love or with the intention to win an argument? Do we have a deep love for the other person and a care that, you know, this is is important? Or are we saying, boy, I need to be right. I need to be the one who's correct here. There's a difference. Remember, friends, we do not share our message of hope in force or with coercion. So again, the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I sharing in a posture of love? Let that be the simple question. If we're indeed sharing the good news of Jesus, we're sharing the gospel exactly what it's intended to be. It's supposed to be good news, not bad news. The people who are needing the good news, they already understand what bad news is. That's why they need it. We don't have to identify that for them and make them feel even two inches smaller than they already are. As people call to love, let's share that love. Let's contextualize our message in love. Let's go to another approach, the intellectual approach. Uh, The biblical person who best exemplifies this approach is actually the Apostle Paul. In Acts 17, Paul reasoned with philosophers and deep thinkers in Athens. Uh, Today, this is practiced by apologists, people who know how to defend the faith or get into a debate in a way that's civil and actually answer real good questions. The intellectual person sharing the good news of Jesus is challenged to have an excellent knowledge. They love to learn. So, and I've got a library in my office that I'm committed to sharing with others. If you're one of those people, my library is your library. Feel free to borrow a book. Just sign it out so I know where it went. And you, it is go and have some fun in there. right? But if you're not, that's okay. <laughs> Each one of us is wired differently. Some of us, though, are intellectuals and love to read. The intellectual roadblocks can be a significant barrier to many people. You know, I, I, you know, I would only believe in God if I, I don't understand this resurrection thing. It doesn't scientifically makes, make any sense. And this is where someone can enter into conversation with that person, saying, well, actually, uh, here are the reasons why I believe. And uh, here are some of the things that we have learned about in Scripture, who Jesus is. And that can actually help that person cross that barrier. These roadblocks can actually include questions and objections that cause doubts, which is actually a real natural part of building your faith. It's learning to test those doubts and explore, explore them. The style of sharing the good news of Jesus has become more and more important, especially as we, as a society, has become more secular. There are so many different options out there. We are a multi-faith society, and so we are pluralistic. That means we have many different values, not just a Judeo-Christian value represented within Canada. And that's going to increase, friends. And so do we look at our, I'll call them our cousins, our Islamic brothers and sisters, are we going to look at them as the enemy or people who need Jesus? Let's consider that for a minute. We have waves of refugees who follow Islam as a way of life. What an opportunity, friends. We don't have to go to the Middle East and get bombed out. That's why they're coming here, for safety. Let's roll out those mats of welcome and love them into the kingdom. That's a challenge for us all, friends. And we have a sister named Rosa who can share many incredible stories. Rosa, I hope to hear from you someday some of your stories of, uh, of coming to faith in the midst of Islam. So many seekers need to hear the good news of Jesus. Not only declared, but defined well, articulated well. And so some of us are going to be intellectuals. And First Timothy 3.15 says this, Friends, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I know that when we think of evangelism, we tend to think and see in our minds someone like Billy Graham or Greg Laurie, who has a movie out right now, uh, who are great examples of the direct approach. Uh, We might think of someone like C.S. Lewis when we hear the description of the intellectual approach. Maybe that some of these characteristics describe who you are. One major key is our posture. Let's just remember that, friends. No one has been led to Christ through uh, losing a contested and heated emotional uh, adversarial debate, even if the winner is intellectually correct. The winner just may be regarded as a jerk. You don't want to be regarded that way. And so, friends, let's remember people are one to Christ through love and through hope. A posture of love, a posture of being open and humble, not a posture of needing to be right or correct, especially in these days of mic dropping, of shutdown statements that seem to close conversations rather than open them. Amen? So not, of us, not all of us are, are gifted in those two approaches, being direct or being intellectual. That's okay because we have hope. Um, and I would say I am not an evangelist. I'm not someone who likes to go right to the heart and uh, directly give it. I am someone who enjoys the testimonial approach. Okay? Some of us are natural born storytellers. Uh, Colton is. Storytelling is a very natural and conversational in, in his approach. Uh, in the way that he shares the good news with others, what it comes down to is this. Uh, it's the sharing of our story or the sharing of another person's story. What's personable? It's something that people can grab onto. And the bottom line is that our sharing of personal stories, one's own story especially, with Christ can often carry unique weight. Because it's meaningful and it's personable. Personal stories often do the things that facts alone cannot provide. One of the best biblical examples of this is uh, the story of the blind man in John 9, healed by Jesus. I think Macy had mentioned that. When he was asked who healed him, the blind man replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. Many people might not respond to a challenge or argument about faith, but they might respond to a personal testimony. A story of how God has changed them from the inside out. In fact, when approached in those manners, uh, they might put up a wall and say, you know what, I, I don't need more facts. Right? People might respond to something in which they might relate to, though. I can relate to that. Our stories do not have to be dramatic And they do not need to be miraculous. We don't need to be filled with drama, folks. In fact, it could be as simple as sharing how Jesus has turned you from a person who is an observant religious person who does all the religious things properly to someone who says, you know, I have this living, breathing, life-giving relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus. And my life depends on him and that relationship. That might be as compelling as it gets. So are you a storyteller? Are you a direct communicator? Are you an intellectual? It doesn't matter. God's going to use you to share what you love with others. There is the invitational approach. If you like, and your natural uh, posture is to invite people to things, let's do things together, let's go camping together, let's go to this uh, church service together, let's go and do a Mexico trip together. In fact, you know there have been a number of people on the Mexico trip that is currently in process, who have come to Christ because someone invited them. And that's what began their story with Jesus. It's still that personal connection and extension. So if you're great at inviting others to do something with you, share what you love, friends. There is the service approach. Here at SunWest, we have SunWest servants. We are people who go and meet the needs of the community around us, even to the point where someone, uh, an elderly neighbor called and said, hey, do you guys fix fences? we said, well, we can send someone to take a look and see if it's fixable for you, and then let's go from there. If you love to use your hands and your feet to do good things for others, come and talk to me. We have, we have uh, a group that does that. SunWest Servants, sign up. We'd love to have you on board with us, sharing the good news, but by building a relationship with our neighbors, right? But maybe you do this naturally. I have a neighbor who just helped me with, he shared what he loved, and by fixing my, my furnace right before I went on a missions trip. Boy, was he good news to me. Share what you love, friends. Maybe you're someone who enjoys sharing service with others. Running out of time here. The relational approach will finish up with this. Some people's ability to share their lives with others is this. And I think this is probably the most of us. We love to host. We love to uh, be in other people's lives and share lives. Uh, we love to do things with others. This is where we have a right opportunity just to share what we love with others, which includes our faith, friends. If Jesus is truly who you love and you depend on, you're going to be depending on uh, Jesus for everything. And it's going to come out in your sharing of life, How you do life, how you encounter those storms that inevitably everyone has to go through. A hardship, a loss, something that is taking more energy than normally does. How do you deal with that? And are you open with sharing how you do that with others? So whether you're someone who likes to share in direct ways uh, through intellectually conversational ways or whether you share stories or invite people to things, doesn't matter which approach you use. We're all called to share what we love with others. Friends, let's share what we love with others around us. As Greg said, we cannot meet every single need that's around us. There's no shortage of need in our world. So what we need to ask ourselves is, what is God calling us as SunWesters to do in our workplace, in our place of life and recreation? Here's something that I need to share with you. When we were living in Vancouver, I had a neighbor, his name was Harry. Uh, he was not excited when we first moved in because we had these four noisy little kids and he was past retirement and he was enjoying his uh, pastoral backyard which was groomed to a tea. His front yard looked like a golf course. And uh, we were putting, because of new regulations uh, due to the energy company, we had to put this big giant energy pole in his front yard, in my front yard. It was on on our property line. We had it serviced, we had it um, surveyed, but it was this giant post that then blocked his living room window view of the street. So it wasn't the greatest view anyways, but it blocked his view of greenery. I mean, this is Vancouver. We had trees everywhere. It was beautiful. His first thing he said was, do you really have to put it there? (laughs) I said, yeah, even the engineer who was there said, yeah, it's, it's needing to be there. And I said, oh boy, I've got, I've got my work cut out ahead of me already. Uh, Harry uh, was not interested in religion, and he heard that a pastor was moving in beside him. And the first thing he said was, hey, just, just don't preach at me, please. Uh, but he was gracious as Jesus, I'll have to admit I remember backing out of my driveway one day and in a hurry to get one of our kids to school. And as I was backing out from our driveway, I scuffed the corner of his car with the corner of my bigger car. And I was like, ah. Oh. I said, bless me. <laughs> that wasn't what my kids heard. Daddy. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. I'm in a rush. I have to get my kids to school. I actually got out of the car, parked again, and knocked on the door. Harry, I am so sorry. I just dented your car. Dave, no one was hurt. Is okay. Chill out. you will get fixed. And I was like, Wow, this guy is amazing. We were neighbors for a good eight years, and we chided each, over, uh, each other over our sports selections. Okay, he was a Manchester United fan. I was a Flames fan. I was. I did cheer for the Canucks in Vancouver, but I was first and foremost a Flames fan. Uh, I shared the raspberries that were coming into bloom in my backyard during springtime. And he looked after James's stick bug when we were out on vacation. It died when we were on vacation. And, uh, and he said, I'm so sorry, I, I, I didn't know what to do. I'd shovel his walk in winter and then he'd critique uh, my grass in the, in the, in the spring. Uh, you missed a dandelion over there, Dave. He never did give me his recipe uh, of how to have a really great green lawn uh, in Vancouver, the way that he did it. But we earned each other's trust because we shared life every day. We didn't just nod, hey, how's it going? And then get in our cars and go off. We actually took the time to invest minutes, sometimes hours together as we were doing yard work, as we were taking out the garbage, as we were shoveling. And it came to the point where he was diagnosed with something quite terrible called Lewy body dementia. I don't know if you know what that is, but it is something that takes over your brain, that controls your body functions and your memory all at the same time. And he went downhill really fast. It ravages one's whole life. Lori, Harry's wife, had to call Charlene a couple times in the middle of the night to help him up uh, because he had fallen in the bathroom. And she was tiny, she was diminutive, She she was like a little hobbit, and she couldn't pick him up. He was a big soccer player in his prime. And Charlene had to go, she has skills, she knew how to do that. That would not have happened without investment of relationship, friends. Time and effort, sharing of life together, Eventually, this Louis body dementia took Harry to the grave. And uh, the kids got to know us through Harry and Lori. And we developed relationships um, in such a way that they asked me to actually to facilitate his funeral, his celebration of life. Uh, even though he didn't want Jesus preached, you could mention Jesus a couple times. <laughs> I was just like, wow. So, I mean, and I I told him, you're asking a pastor to lead a memorial. Let me give you context for who I was and who I'm about. Friends, his whole family got to hear the gospel. Uh, Not because I preached at them in a subway rant, but because I shared my life and the life that Lori and Harry had with us. And Lori was our greatest evangelist of who we were. She shared with the people in her family, with our neighborhood, with our street Uh, what kind of neighbors that we were, how we cared for each other. And they were the ones who cried the most when we left Vancouver to come to Calgary. I love getting to know my neighbors, friends. And so it's just about sharing what I love. And I think our call is to share what we love as we go forward. Friends, as we continue to follow the Lord Jesus, let's be intentional with the time that we have with the abilities that God has gifted us with, with all the things that we are, who we are, what we have. Let's be intentional. Let's share what we love with the world around us. Um, This wonderful good news of Jesus. Let's remember our posture of humility and invitation, being people who are compelling, not people who are offensive, people who are coercive, forceful, and people who have to be right. As people who follow the sacrificial lamb who has come back to life, defeated death. This is the message of hope that we can bring to our neighbors, to our friends. Remember, friends, verse 20 of today's passage. We do not do this alone. Jesus says, and remember this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to share what we love. Most importantly, Lord, help us to share who you are in our lives. You are so good. You have given us a new life, new chances. Help us return thanks back to you. Help us to make your name famous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our lives, friends, let's invite the Lord to build us up. Show us, Lord, who you are. Lead us in your love to the, those around us. Amen. We're so glad that you joined us this morning. And as you go, we bless you to be missional in your context, in your family, your neighborhood, your area of work. Um, we ask that God would give you strategy and make you feel confident in that. If you'd like to receive prayer, we have some folks who would love to pray for you this morning to celebrate with you, to pray for your burdens, to pray for healing, to pray for your your area of mission. So please come forward if you're interested in that and we bless you to go.